0: My mission is to change the way society sees women. But first, I need women to understand how powerful we are. Women are these incredible, powerful human beings. My name is Ellen Guillaume, and I'm the founder and CEO of Wild AI. Wild AI is an app that helps women who play sports, train, fuel, and recover based on their menstrual cycle. Adidas and iPhone Women are backing companies like mine to empower female entrepreneurs to reimagine sports. So I am Belgian, French, Polish, and I lived a little bit everywhere in the world. As a child, I was always very active, uh, being a lot outdoors. And on my professional background, I was a quantum hedge fund management consultant in AI. So through my passion in sports and my background in data, I merged both and launched World AI. The issue is that women, until now, have been training fueling, and recovering based on training protocols made for men and research made on men. So uh, what I often say is that I have breaking news, which is women are not men. Our mission with World AI is to really uh, redefine what society thinks about what is a woman. And we start with sports. By understanding how the female body functions, uh, you are optimising the input to really optimise the output. World AI has an incredible team. We have a female expert panel with world marathon champions, as uh, CEOs of companies backing some of the best sports teams in the world, researchers, professors, journalists. The success of this company is so important because what we're doing needs to exist. Thanks uh, to the initiative with Adidas and iPhone Women, I am able to reach and impact millions of women. Jodie, so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am Hélène, the founder and CEO of well AI. and what we do is extensive research on what is a woman, and we translate that research into our app, helping women eat, exercise, and recover with their physiology, whether they menstruate, use any type of birth control, or are in perimenopause or menopause.
1: Uh, I'm so I am so excited to talk to you because well, there's so much to talk to you about. Um, pleasure to have you here. Um, let's start where with Where are you right now?
0: I am right now at my parents' house in Italy.
1: Oh, one of my it's my bucket list. So Hawaii, Italy, and Greece are on my
0: bucket list. Yeah, so oh,
1: to get you here. Oh, I I cannot wait to the moment because my mother and my grandmother went on a mother daughter trip. And they were there for a month and they could not stop talking about it. They love it so much. And and, and I was like, I go, oh, I should do a mother daughter trip with my mom. And and then I think about like, I go, "Mm, maybe not. Maybe I just want to go by myself. (laughs) Um, Before we even start talking about the business, um, I always say that the best way to understand how individuals mind their business is to understand who they are before the business. So yeah. um we know that you're in Italy. So let's just start from the time that you were like the, I mean the way that you grew up all the way to the point where when you were in university, that way we can get a better understanding of who you are.
0: Yeah, so uh I am born out of international parents. So my father is Belgian French, my mother is Polish. I was born in Belgium, and then we traveled quite a lot. Uh went to Japan, France, uh Hong Kong, uh Peru, US, Italy. Um uh yeah UK so most recently I was 10 years in the UK and San Francisco wait wait
1: may I, may I ask why
0: you travel so much was it just on holiday or because of a specific job that your parents had no but like first it was my parents job and then my job so like first as a child and as an adult I just moved countries um and then yeah most recently uh 10 that last 10 years in the UK uh and San Francisco like for three years um like half time uh San Francisco half time UK and uh with the COVID, with the pandemic I've been uh more in Europe and uh, right now I'm based between Portugal and London
1: okay and hope to be back in the
0: US soon as well
1: <laughs> so so what did your parents do that had you traveling because Um, I I mean, I'm like you, I'm a traveling bug. and I, I am waiting in in exactly 42 days. I will be living in another country for, for three, just three, I mean, for a month, but still I'm going to be living in another country, speaking a different language. And so what did your parents, um, and I'm first generation born in America. My parents are from Haiti. So it was always instilled in me to like, you can't learn about the world if you're only in a box, like in one location. Um, what did your parents do that were, that, uh, that was gifted to me? Like what a gift for you to be able to travel all over the world and see people, what did they do? And how did you perceive it? Because most young kids, usually kids that are in the military, um, talk about how it's hard to make friends. It's hard to, it's hard to engage and you were traveling and you, and every single time I'm saying this, your, your, the smile is so big. So talk about your experience of what did your parents do? And what was your experience about traveling to these different locations do you have siblings, and what did that do for you when you were growing
0: up? Yeah, um, so I actually started probably from my parents' parents. So on my mother's side, uh, they were the Polish. Uh, so it was uh, like communism, and they were both engineers. Mm-hmm. And unlike most people uh, that generation, they actually were traveling quite a lot. So my mother was born in Poland, but her brother was born. in um, in Czechoslovakia at the time and they also lived in England and Belgium so they lived in like they moved around which at that time basically in communist countries it was quite rare and then so that's when my mother then lived in Belgium and my father and my father was a son of diplomats so he had grown in like traveling in many countries as well so when my parents met they I think they had this common feeling of being foreigners a bit everywhere. And um, they got married. And then soon after they moved to the US uh, to have my sister. Uh, they were doing an MBA in Chicago and then moved back to Belgium and then moved to Japan. Uh, my mother uh, was working in art at the time and my father was a consultant. And then after Japan, my little sister was born. And then my, my dad for work reasons moved to, with us to Paris. Um, he was uh, president of the bank so yeah we moved we moved quite a bit as kids um, so inherited that from my grandparents and my parents and then my two sisters and I always traveled quite a lot um, and so yeah I think it's ingrained I don't know how, how you feel about it but you always I guess a foreigner from where your blood is from but also where your passport is from also like mm-hmm. You grew up as a teenager so you're never really a local but it's uh there's a there's an in- incredible like word to put on that which is TCK I don't know if you're familiar with it no for culture, culture kid oh. and it's uh it's really it's it's like I mean like I guess you would love it because it's like it's either you come from parents of different bloods mm-hmm. or you have traveled as a child so basically taken away from roots and you have these New roots that you create, and very everything is very different than someone who grew up with two parents from the same area, same yeah. school, like grandparents in the area, etc. And so we have, as kids, you you do have this like taken out of your roots, have to make new friends. So yes, it is difficult, and I definitely had many many times no friends at all um and and you don't you don't follow the right codes you don't dress the right way and kids are tough so you don't like kids, kids are right tough kids. kids are mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh so you're in new school and like no one to come to you i remember like this terrorizing day where i was like in paris so i had just arrived in paris i was like eight or nine and uh, I didn't have any friends. And so my dad came to school and he went to see these two little girls. And I was a tomboy. I really preferred hang out with boys at the time. But it was my dad went to see these two little girls and he asked them, like, would you would you want to be friends with Helene? Because she doesn't have any friends. <laughs> and I was like That's horrified. I'm dads <laughs> are the best.
1: With all great intentions, dads are the best. But oh my, don't don't help me, dad. Don't
0: help yeah. me so so yeah so i mean like i guess probably like quite, quite a lot of like you know commonalities with kids like us who grew up like you know being in, dropped in a new place and you're like it's terrorizing but probably made us more adaptable i guess as well
1: the um it's so it's so funny that you're like you were saying how uh you'd go into never a in new school and you just didn't know how to dress or like like i mean because it is true where you go through i mean for and i love that term third generation i mean was it the third say it again, Bird culture kids. I love that because in United States, we were in United States, but in the house we're in Haiti. So, and so we, and we spoke French or Haitian Creole in the house. And it was yeah. the funniest thing because in our mind, we're like, look at the cool clothes that they're wearing. And inside the house, my private parents were like, absolutely not. And yeah. I remember, so I'm, 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 dramatically older than you. Um, I remember where, I, we wanted like certain jeans and things like that. And in Haiti, my dad was a tailor and he's like, he goes, I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy the stuff. I go, I was a tailor. I know how to pick the things. And my dad used to love saying no to us. And we're like, this is going to be great. We're going to get, we finally broke him. We're going to get our way. And he came back with two sewing machines. And he's like, you want those clothes? You're going to make those clothes. You're like, oh man. But it was one of those moments where he was teaching the skills of what he knew in Haiti. And I'm going to teach you to, I'm going to teach you to fish not give you the fish kind of situation. Um, but the the tales and the the ways that they grew up with, they just think, oh, it's easy. I'm your dad. I'm going to stay and make friends for you. And you're like, no, for the love of God, no, don't do that.
0: Um, and you do want that Cimarron brand or whatever it is. And it's so funny because like in Poland, uh, there were no brands. So, my mother actually like had very similar story like if she wanted clothes, they would like buy a nice fabric, like really like nice fabric, and they would make clothes. Yeah. so it's like he had actually really, really nice clothes, but um not not really with brands. and so like the, the, it's like the 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 reference and like why would you want a brand that is like? the price point doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. like fashion clearly doesn't make sense because they're holding the jeans or whatever it is. And, uh, and so it's so funny, like the the gap to explain to your parents that it's, like, you want to mold into it. And then the parents are like, no, you shouldn't. Like, of course you shouldn't mold into it. Like, like, I'm a teenager. I just want to fit. Like, <laughs> and, and
1: once we realize it, we're like, oh, one, they were right, which of course you never want to admit to your parents they were right. They were so right. And I go, and then you're trying to find your own space. So that way you can convince that or convince or un, make people understand, like, I have my own identity. I'm trying to, I do my own thing. And then they automatically fall into your world because you're like, oh my God, Elena's, she's cool. I want to hang out with her. Look at her clothes, look at the way that she does things. Uh, yeah. and, but it takes such, it, there's a, there is that gap of where you, from what your parents are teaching you to what you're seeing and where you find your own spot. And, and i think that's what i was getting at the most where traveling to so many different countries and everyone has their own especially in europe different styles different ways of doing things how long did it how long did it take you to find your place in the world knowing that you jumped around in so many different locations
0: I mean, I think as an adult, is quite different. I mean, I remember, like, at eight, it took me two years to have one friend, I think. So, um, but now, yeah, I, I really learned, basically. So I know, like, first of all, there are things that I love doing. And that, so if I arrived to a new place, and I moved to uh, Portugal, like, six months ago. So I, I've yet again, like created that for myself uh okay. voluntary and um and I think like I do a lot of sports so like food sports I meet a lot of people and it's the kind of people I want to be with and I want to socialize that way so I want to wake up at five thirty, and I want to be in the water at like six quarter past six so, like so I want to hang out with those people and um and so i i meet people that way and then and then now i'm really lucky of being part of like some networks as well that are quite international of entrepreneurs yeah. and investors and so that actually has been really really helpful so there is a commonality on like why we would meet mm-hmm. because we have topics to discuss uh, about introductions and and now i find it easier but still like you know like arriving, I mean, in any place, you know, at a conference, you don't know anyone. It's always like this so weird, awkward thing. feeling like, hello, I'm Ellen. Um, and it's just like, it's always awkward, but, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, I, I still have this thing where I have this thrive of like going to a new place and it's really exciting. I also think like when you are an expat, mm-hmm. you behave very differently because you're very, actually when you're local, like it's very comfortable. It's amazing. Yes. Like, all your friends have countryside houses. You t- just take a car, drive an hour and a half, and you're like, it's very comfortable. It's like, it's also like financially, it makes a lot of sense. When you're an expert, like you know no one, you know nothing. So you have to get really get out of your comfort zone all the time. You need to meet people, you need to like discover exciting things to tell people, okay, let's climb that mountain that looks really cool. So you're always like really creative. And I think it also fits quite well what I find exciting in life is like these micro adventures and because I think like when I get comfortable like for example, I love London I absolutely adore yeah. London I lived there 10 years but the way I was socializing a lot there was I mean I did do like 6 a.m morning swims in the Serpentine which is the the river in the middle but I also like was doing a lot of dinners and which yeah. I love but it's more comfortable Anyway,
1: um,
0: so, well, you know, so, what it's,
1: I, I, I think that, all right, so I, I have the expat question, but wait, I'm going to ask that for a, a quick minute. I feel like the dinners and things like that are just so known so much in Europe, where in Europe, it's just like, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's what brings people together. I mean, food brings people together. And so you could do all your activities all throughout your day. You could work all day, but everyone knows work and and family and friends come together. And it's just like a great way to get to know people. These are the things where my mother is a chef. Um, and my dad is um, worked in it was a Taylor in Haiti, dairy processor in America. Uh, food was a way that we brought people together all the time. I mean, there was never a time that we didn't celebrate an event and everyone yeah. knew like we're going to the house where the chef is. And it was just, it was just so much fun. And as I've gotten older, um, people do it, they do it, but they do it less. They, they surround it around alcohol more than just the, the essence yeah. of cooking together and things like that. And so, i i love that about europe where yes there's alcohol too but the food is just like the main reason why we're there and it's decadent and it's just like it's just a conversation piece and it's not like this big huge hunking meal and then everyone leaves it's just like it goes for hours
0: yeah 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 no, totally um and and yeah there's these like conviviality of like being together and bringing things together actually like when i do dinners i i've done like i love gathering people and mm-hmm. like in san francisco i was doing the same so we would have people from you know professors that stand for like 70 year old like mm-hmm. and then young entrepreneurs and everyone would arrive and they're like oh can i help you i was like yes please can you cut these carrots and can <laughs> you I <laughs> love it because actually <laughs> And people know how to peel a carrot, though, like, so, and, uh, and then... And they are probably also, shocked when you
1: said, you are probably shocked when you say, like, yes, get get a knife and start cutting.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it's so funny because, actually, like, people then are like, oh, okay, and they, they do it, and it's, like, it's really funny. It's, like, so, yeah, there is this, like, special thing of, like, this cooking thing, and it's, like, it's really cozy and it's it's nice, and, and I am not a great chef, so, I, I, like, what I can bring is, like, this being together and meeting fun people and uh, but yeah how many languages do you speak uh, i speak uh, french english uh, spanish polish really beginning uh, portuguese uh, yeah
1: i i i am I'm, I'm loving you i love i love but well the thing is because like, when you're younger is when people the languages come very easy um and so when i said i was like leaving for a month to live So being Haitian, French and Haitian Creole is what we speak. And my grandmother passed away. She died seven years ago. And my French, and she she didn't speak English. So my French is deplorable now. And so I'm going to Guadeloupe for a month because it forces me to learn. I mean, it's like, it's a French country and it forces me to be like, I have to speak French. I mean, and, and the first week might be really, 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 really bad. I'm expecting that. But I know it's in there, and I know it'll come back to me. Yeah, it will come back. It's rusty, but it comes back. It, it, it'll definitely so. But at least, at least, I know by the end of the the, the month, I will be able to like be comfortable communicating. So I'm I have the same with back.
0: Polish. Um, and actually, when we were kids, like my mother didn't speak Polish to us because was communism like it wasn't great to be polish at the time and um and so she decided not to speak to polish to us but we had nannies and our grandparents oh. so it's it's really funny because my polish i speak like a kid like it's like in spanish like everything is small when you speak yeah. to a kid or as a child and i still speak as a child in polish so it's, it's, it's very weird like my cousin like a few years ago we were together at a party and i was talking to someone in polish and we were we were adults and he was like he looked at me and he was like is she, is, she okay? <laughs> <laughs>
1: is she okay? All right. So, so I'm going back to my expat question. So when what? I was in my MBA program, um, I did a, um, I did a 14 countries in one year to understand small businesses and the way that they, the environment is around them. And one of the yeah. key component, one of the key components was visiting expats. Some countries expats did it extremely well. In some countries, it was just like, they were isolated from the mm-hmm. community. And so, as an expat in so many different locations, were did your family um, go out of their way to be like to like in, inject themselves in the community, understand the culture, etc.? Or were they like, here are the expats, and here's the community?
0: It's a really good question. Um, it's interesting, actually. Like people in Japan, for instance, many people find it really difficult uh, to integrate in Japan because people don't necessarily speak English and. The culture is incredible and and really strong but they also um, yeah a lot of people like really struggle with their time there my parents loved it my dad was speaking Japanese and uh and we were in the English Japanese school so like my sister and I were basically our first language was English Japanese French Mm. very weird for uh, for kids but um so we were like actually quite integrated my mother was in art and uh and they were doing like she was doing a lot of collaboration so like very unlike uh, expats there, they actually had like they were really, they really had um, Japanese friends. Mm-hmm. And I think probably that, that that impacted my way of thinking like all my life throughout the different places I've lived in, uh, in Hong Kong, or like I've actually had friends who were locals too. Mm-hmm. And but it is, it is arriving to a place, the first person I might know often is an expat. Um, mm-hmm. And so often, like, I would enter like my for the first times I would be invited somewhere, et cetera, I would probably like know an expat, but I would make a, like a superior effort to also know locals. And like, for instance, in England it was actually quite difficult. I found yeah. because, but for good reasons, like if you are, you know, like established in your country and you have your friends and your network and your life is organized for generations and generations, like, you have your weekend set and you have your your tempo like sundays family and whatever mm-hmm. you don't really need like new people who by the way are going to leave anyways yeah um but so i i do have friends local friends in all the places i've lived um but first of all it's more rare and expats love staying with each other mm-hmm. um and but yeah like now in Portugal, i really make an effort as well like for to learn the language. Because people in Portugal, like, are really welcoming. They love having uh, foreigners, and it's it's really nice to have a country where they love that. Like, for instance, Paris, uh, like, you know, if you say to a Parisian, like, oh, I saw the Eiffel Tower, it was so nice. it's like, yeah, sure. Like, in Portugal, like, they, they're so happy with there because, like, it's quite a new, like, Portugal was quite poor until quite recently, so there wasn't really that immigration and there was definitely an immigration country and and people were not like did not discover this like gem of Europe until recently so now they're really happy and so it's really nice but I also want to speak Portuguese so they speak really well English as well because of this like they their they're looking like for growth was outside whereas countries like France or Spain or Italy They love their countries for good reasons as well but they also like don't necessarily really speak english um and so but in portugal like to be integrated i think like speaking the language is on me and like that's on me to do the effort to yeah to be then integrated because you know if i'm lucky enough to be invited at someone's house and their grandparents they, they probably won't you know like speak english or and so but but also you have a very different experience like languages you just the words are just different and they meet different things and you speak French like the like for instance everything that is like sensitivity and so sensorial in French we have like very different words than in English English is like a very efficient language yeah. and French is a little bit more like romantic and whatever so like to describe certain but things Portuguese, but Portuguese is as well I mean like I mean all the
1: romantic yeah. languages that are based off of Latin there's like there's I mean like so um, I spend a lot of time in Portugal. I love, I mean, like it's literally by far, I mean, Australia is number one. And then, I mean, really Portugal is like right there number two, because I've spent so much time there. The people being in Porto, just, I mean, I have great friends there. I mean, I get like, I mean, we're, we're on WhatsApp all the time, but when I'm listening to them, if they don't speak fast, I feel like I'm like, I understand clearly what they're saying and I don't speak Portuguese, but I, it's so close to French that I can pick up pretty much mm-hmm. 80% of what the conversation is. If they're not speaking fast.
0: Yeah. And reading for you would be easy too. But yes. then, like, for me, the last bit is speaking. And so, like, that's where I am now. is like, uh, I speak Spanish. So, like, the Portuguese plus the French, the Spanish plus the French, like, makes it easy. But then, still, I like, still miss the last gap, which is actually speaking it. If you're you're going to be close. You're going to be close. I know that. I definitely know it. Um, what did
1: you go to school for? What was your degree in university? Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Actually, before, wait, wait, wait.
0: What did you yeah. want to be? And then, what did you actually become? I wanted to be everything uh, except <laughs> except what what my, my dad was doing. I didn't want to work in finance ever, uh, and uh, and then and so I wanted to be um, I wanted to be a, an engineer. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. I want I uh, like not because I like war, just because I like planes, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a great reason. Um, I wanted to be an astronaut. Uh, it's great engineering, but then uh, I did a summer internship at a bank, and I loved it. And so, full <laughs> circle, first circle <laughs> exactly. So I studied mathematics and then financial risk, and then I like and yeah. So like my first internship, I loved it. I pretty was like, I just had a lot of fun. I would, I thought, I don't know because probably I was a teenager and like just you but, know but like. How, you but know. how
1: weird is it though that you were like I am not going to finance. I don't want to go in there. And yet you, the, you the, the, the love was there. So what was it that all of a sudden you finally looked at the numbers and what was it that just gravitated you? Because, well, I mean, I'm marketing. I love, I love read, eat marketing. Finance. I look at it. I can tell if, if I, I can look at the spreadsheet and I'm like, just tell me the story and I can like jump on it. And I can tell if numbers are, look funny, but what was it about you? Cause you were just like, you did everything in your power to stay away from it. And yet yeah. you ended up doing it and loving it.
0: So I, st- I I like I love numbers like I've always been like really into numbers and maths and like engineering, mm-hmm. but then I thought finance. I think it's because like I by opposition to my father. I think like he was in finance, or I was a teenager, so I just thought this is my dad, so f- for sure he's boring, <laughs> and so for sure I want I never want to to do whatever he does. But then I got a summer internship through him, and then. I did it and I realized that's not what I thought and it was really cool mm-hmm. um people were really fun it was in Philadelphia Dutch Bank and I I was like I just met very cool people they took me like you know I was 19 um they took me like to the shore and they were like they were older they were like 30 years old and they were partying like crazy, like, you know, s- summer in Philadelphia. And like, so I just had the time of my life. And I also like met these people working in banking who were really nice, really smart, really funny. And so I realized that I had a completely wrong image that was that was entirely driven by me being just, you know, just a bad teenager against my father, really. And I was like, oh, it's actually cool. And then, um, and then, and then, um, somewhere after I did a summer internship, um, on the trading floor. Mm-hmm. And so it's way more... was that for you, being on the floor? Like so being on a trading. floor. Sh- I mean, you see what's
1: on TV, but I know it's not even remotely the same.
0: So it's so funny. So I did it in London. And I, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Canary Wharf, which is like the I'm financial... Not- and you basically come out of the tube of the metro and it's like a really long um, escalator up. And then you have road numbers that are like on the side when you come out. And I was like in a suit, and I was like, oh, my God, I made it in life. <laughs> and- and so and it was like yeah it, it was like 2000 like it was at the brink of the financial crisis just before yeah. and um, so it was like really crazy and then i entered the trading floor and it's like 400 desks and it's it's quite silent and then like 5 minutes later when the the floor starts it mm-hmm. runs insane crazy shouting everywhere the energy is insane and so i just like i was there and i was like wow this is insane and like the energy that wait, was wait, there. what
1: what year, what year was that because I think that some people just don't understand because people just assume because of technology the trading floor isn't as active as it is but I mean because back in the day it was like paper and people were like out there and they're just bidding yeah and so they see what it was like I mean I mean I, on, on movies I mean you sit there and see um Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie and everyone just assumes that's the way it's supposed to be that's the way it's always been right. but but I mean what year were you there because I mean again technology. Has changed it in regards of how business is being done, but the activity and the high and en- the, the level of energy—it seems like
0: it's the same. It was like 2007, and it's definitely the same. Like if you if you look think of like Wall for Wall Street, like in the floor when everyone's screaming on the phone, is exactly like that. It's crazy. People had computers, and we do, we didn't send like papers to people. The people yeah. still talk to each other standing, and they're on the phone and they're agreeing on deals, and then they they like doing it on, on like on Bloomberg as well on the computers. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really like that. And it's like from the opening of uh, of the the training hours to the closing, yeah. it's saying like like yeah, just people don't take breaks and it's like it's, it's crazy. And uh, and I was there and I was like, I just thought it was it was really fun and really cool. And I thought the products. So I was rotating on desks and I just thought the products we were working on, like options and derivatives, etc., were mm-hmm. really fascinating mathematically wise. I thought it was really cool. And uh, and also. I was really attracted by male environments uh, because I was discriminating my own gender. Um, I thought that, <laughs> wait,
1: peers... you know what, I'm going to stop you from there. Um, we all do it. So, and I say that when we all do it is when you are in the business world, there are more men, there are definitely more men there. And also, so, I mean, I, I did my, like, I completed my MBA in 2009, um, 120 students, like literally there were like 20 women. And so yeah. if you ask the 20 women and I've asked, even on this podcast, we're like who was your favorite parent? Not that I'm not asking you who you love more. I'm asking who's your favorite parent. And it always ends up being my dad. He was in business. And so it is, it's, it's, it's something that we don't want to do, but there are more men in business. And so when you're in the business world, you tend to like gravitate towards the person that's going to elevate you to what you
0: want to do. Yeah. It's really interesting and it's sad. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but, but, but like the reality is like I was, Definitely. Well, I was a tomboy in French, you know. Uh, it's called un garçon manqué, a fake mm-hmm. boy. very yep. hardcore. Uh My grandmother, then, all the, my
1: grandmother, always said she's like she goes, "Wow, Jody's better than having a boy." I'm like, "Jody's better than like be happy with me." She's like, "I go, well, you're like a boy." I'm like, "No, I'm like me. I'm just like yeah. me because I would climb you're trees, crazy. I would fix things, I would paint." So she just like in her mind, that's what boys do. So I get I it. Hi, I lost um, you. Yeah. <laughs> have well, that that gap i'll just i'll because I, I don't edit so I'm gonna edit just that part so um all right so the question was um the last question that you were answering right before you froze was um the um
0: uh i was saying uh gender discrimination yes um, okay so so this is
1: where just where, anyone that's listening i go we had a technical difficulty so we're going back to the gender the gender conversation
0: go ahead so so yeah so i just like grew up like basically thinking my peers were men and i was looking for validation from boys and then men and uh, so when i was when i entered this career in in finance uh in like um on the trading floor and then hedge funds i just really wanted to be like impressive towards men basically and uh, and what i realized is like there was that woman on the trading floor um uh, who was the head of metals trading. And she was like a big woman, quite scary, like all the traders were terrified by her. And I felt like, ah, oh, that's really cool. But I didn't really understand that actually, that wasn't my personality. But I just thought like, that's what a woman in business is. It's like a really scary woman. And, and that's what it is. Um, because I didn't I didn't know better at all. And like, even today, like when you look at like, you know, ask people like, who are these inspiring CEOs that you think like of, it's quite hard, like finding like really impressive women. They are. And and thank God, but like so, I, like it took me quite a while. And then I was a quant in hedge fund, and I remember going to conferences only with hedge fund managers. And I was a quant, so I was a technical person, and they would think I'm a PA because there are no women in hedge funds at all, especially that age. I was quite quite young, um, and so they would think I'm a PA. But also, if I would see a woman, I would also think she's a PA um, because because there were no women. So like similar to what you were saying in the MBA, we just like. We really, and it's ingrained in us. So like when I try to explain to people biases, I was a hundred percent biased, like so biased because you just don't see it, of course. The thing is, so so I always feel like I go, when people are like, I go, oh, you used
1: to be this. I'm like, yeah, I used to be that because that's all I knew. And so as I get older, I'm supposed to learn and I'm supposed to engage. And so whenever I'm watching anyone cancel someone or be, I'm like, I go, you know what? You, my friend need to focus on what you need to do. Cause if you're prosecuting someone else, then you have bigger issues than I will ever have. So like, yeah. take it, take it the fact that the person that I was when I was little is dramatically different because I'm evolving. The only thing that I think that we have as benefits and anyone that travels, when you travel, you learn faster. It's it, it, the, the learning is expedited when you put yourself in traveling, when you put yourself in situations that are not the norm for a woman mm. or not the norm for a brown person, an Asian person. It doesn't matter when you put yeah. yourself in situations um that you're it's not the norm you learn a lot faster because it's trial and error trial and error trial and error
0: definitely and and uh and and we, we like we can empathize with people who are being discriminated too but it's like so it's it's like my journey to get out of thinking like the best thing for me would be to be a man ever as like it's been a long journey it's actually like leading me to my to my company as well which is like my personal deep insecurities was like I didn't think it was cool to be a girl and then a woman like I could see like discrimination straight away mm. and like in my face and, and you've probably seen it like at the level being being black person as well like women are discriminated like women are even more discriminated like it's, it's insane and yeah. so when I try to understand how a white male would not understand I try to remember how I was thinking too and uh and so so yeah so just came out like slowly out of the financial career um, which I loved but then I but how many years how many years did you stay nursing. in the
1: financial career and and was this your degree
0: yeah so I studied mathematics and financial risk management okay. and so then I was a quantum hedge fund and so I was there like a like I guess total three four years and then I was a consultant mm-hmm. and then I started like doing some startups here and there called startups but actually was more like projects who were dying and um and then i was consulting in in tech uh in ai which i loved Mm. and then i started my company which is a company i'm still running now which which like changed quite a lot and pivoted quite a lot but really what is doing now is also like because we're doing this research on the female body and we are understanding what is happening in the female body and what is incredible with it it's like it's helping me personally to understand that my body is actually incredible. Like we have the power to create humans, which by the way, is probably one of the hardest things in the world. It's like, insane it's- to
1: me. I mean, it really is. Ins- yeah. in, it, it, it's insane to me. Like when I, mean, so I have lots of doctors in my family and um, they're, they're just like the the procedures that they talk about, or if someone dies, I call them. I'm like, I go, I'm go, oh, like, I can't believe this person died. But they're like, I go, do you know how many trial and errors that they had before? They I mean, they had so many case studies before they actually, This case, and when this person dies, it helps the next person. And so, just the way that my eyes have opened up about the human body is the most amazing mechanism ever. And then you throw it in the human body, like you're making another, you're making another person. What? Um, it's it's fascinating to me. It's absolutely fascinating. But also, it's fascinating to me how we have to deal with all of that by human body, like creating the body and stuff. And yet, we are seen as
0: lower tiers. Exactly. But the thing is, like, I mean, when when you look at everything like history literature religions I mean like in Christian religion like you can be a nice little virgin and that's it and like so like and also like the way we are perceived as women is horrible because from like deep ingrained in us it's first of all all the books like every time I read yep. a book I'm like oh my god and, and I imagine like as a black was a black person it's even worse like I mean like it's horrible the way you know they say like and I mean I was watching uh gladiator the other day and the 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 caesar tells to his daughter if only you were a man what a great caesar would you be but you're a woman so fuck off yeah (laughs) i mean like we grew up no cussing
1: don't cuss no cussing
0: no No swearing and and um and so and so, um, so, and, and in the books we like, Oh, like, you know, like be polite, et cetera. In religions is like, you know, you can be a carrier and a carer, but then, mm-hmm. but then like leave the work to the serious people, the men, mm-hmm. but actually like, where does it come from? It's like, it's really like a brainwash of women are the second class people. And uh, always,
1: always and we're
0: not, like, we're, like, and if you look in nature, like people who say, well, yeah, we need nature. Not at all. Like, a lion, like he's chilling out all the time. The female lion, she's having the babies, hunting, bringing the food. I mean, like we're not protect- like, you- and Lily, and, and, and in essence, she's protecting the pride to the point where if he has to come in, but she's
1: doing all the work, which is hundred percent. And if she has a lion, she has to protect him because the lion will sit there and say, "Like you can't hang." I mean, I had you, I made you, but you can't compete against me. So I'm going to either eat you, kill you, or shoo you away. So yes, it's like and she's protecting that whole entire essence. Um, for you, what was that transition where you're in finance and you love it and go, you have clear passion for it, but what was that transition of going into creating your own? What was that moment that you're like, this
0: is the time? I mean, like I've, I've worked around the idea of like creating something for a while before that, and it didn't work out ever. like, I was creating companies, but they, they were not working out, but then I think it's like this combined like two passions that I have which is like data and like analytics of the data sets, et cetera, and then sports and performance uh, and so combining these two like really made me take. and so and and it was facilitated by the fact that I was uh, made redundant of my job so like I just had a very easy path into transitioning into being being entrepreneur as well
1: You could have been, you could have done anything. You could have, you could have selected any, I mean, tech, like fintech is huge. It's huge. You could have created anything and everything. Why this product um, now? And also who are your best customers? Like, how does it work? Like, I mean, like, let's just dive right into the company.
0: So, first, it comes from a personal need, like, and a, a very visible need, but also, like, a massive opportunity. Like, all these wearables, this is ordering, wearing, like, all these wearables, all, this, all the products that we're using, all the apps that we're using, they're made for men. They should be called men tech. Like, if I'm a femtech, my company, they should be called men tech. They only serve men properly. Um, I was wearing, like, I, re- I got um, as a present a, um, a, a jersey the, uh, last week, and uh, the guy said it's unisex. I said, but it's a bit tight on my hips. And says, yes, because it's made for male bodies. I'm saying, it's not a unisex. It's like, it's for men. And then you call it for men, and then you're a girl, you can use it. Yeah. But And that's exactly the case for all technologies. Like We use diet apps that are like look hard, low hard, low-fats, uh, keto diets. They're not tested on women. We're using mm-hmm. wearables that are like, I track my body temperature. It tells me my body temperature goes up, I'm sick. Well, I'm ovulating, which is the opposite of being sick. I might be pregnant. I might be having hot flashes. I mean, like these wearables are wrong. And um, so we basically are in a world where, again, we just, we just basically like we can use their products. We can pay for it. Uh, but no one really cares because men are like really like the holy grail. And in sports, it's really so true. Like, you know, men are fast and they're strong. And women, well, they're not really interesting. So we're not going to portray them in media because they're just like, just not interesting. That's it. That's literally it, and um, and in places where sh- really there shouldn't be differences in salaries, like movie industry, I mean, women are less paid. Like, how come? So, like in sports, is the same. And and the argument that people watch watch less just yes, because we are less portrayed, but people want to watch female sports. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, you see how women's soccer. I mean, like, yeah. you know, women's
1: soccer has changed the game in regards of. You see more men in the stand watching women's soccer now, and how the women literally cool. advocated and finally they finally have it in equal pay for soccer players and it's going to start hitting in other sports and other jobs so it is a slow crawl but it is happening slow like yeah. molasses slow
0: and so like i'm really passionate about that and i think like having myself being discriminating my own gender I'm also like even more passionate because I'm always to myself. I was like, okay, men are great. Let me like copy exactly how their behavior and let me try to be. I'm still going to be less good because I'm a woman, but I'm still going to try to be. It's horrible. So I'm like, I'm really trying now to, yeah, like, first of all, serve myself, serve all the women around me. um, And and our objective is to be able to serve women of all ages, life stages, and ethnicities Mm. uh, because we're completely unserved and like, Women, sure, but you know, like if there is a little bit of research, it's going to be done on. 30 white 24 year old using contraceptive in the us so it doesn't represent a woman who is in perimenopause who has a completely different body it doesn't represent a woman who's black who's completely different like terms of birth are completely different your digestion is completely different than mine for sure We've, well we just even like of- it's just but even like where you i mean you you were raised in japan i mean like, it doesn't
1: represent a woman that's japanese i mean so like yeah, you're exactly. you're going you can go any corner of the world and it's like i well, go whether i could be in brazil i could be in japan i could be in africa Every woman is designed differently to
0: their environment. Yeah, and hundred percent. Like, and you can see muscles. Like, you would have probably like long twitch muscles, and I would I would be like a bit shorter. So, of course, we react very differently. And so, so we can take the man as a basis. Um, and and that's that's what what exists. So it's just like this massive opportunity, like this blue ocean market where no one cares. Mm-hmm. There's no real money um i have to fight all the time like when i when i when i pitch my company to men they're like oh let me talk to my wife i'm like no it's you like yeah. you should be interested you would to- imagine
1: let me talk to your wife just say that you don't want to give me the money but don't sit there and insult me by saying let me talk to my wife what is that
0: and it's also it's, it's a business opportunity it's not a charity and um and they're fine you know like they would yeah, invest in, in things that they would not never use, but then like female health, they feel so disconnected because somehow like when we grow up, like, you know, when you we are like a kid, like they're like, oh, you like a girl or oh, you like, a, you're so gay. And so the worst insult for a boy is being like a girl or being gay, which is the association of the femininity. Yeah. And so when they grow up, of course, they cannot consider that women are interesting because it's the worst. And so they're like hang out with all these guys and it's like super cool, and the girls like sure they're nice and they're pretty, but that's it really. <laughs> and so, and so when we go into female health, they're like yeah, I look, talk to my wife, but like for me not really, and yeah. they're really not interested. And so like they're like okay, let's make babies for, for like future generations. So there is money in fertility because that's when men are actually involved. But then the rest, which is like the well-being of their spouses of their kids yeah. which is like you know, and interestingly like many of my investors they they uh they have uh, young girls yeah. and it's really interesting because they actually became interested in the topic because they saw their little girl who was having pain and then they realized oh, it's actually yeah. really bad if you are an adult man and you were a woman very often like first of all they would have never bought a 10 uh the thing is gross um they <laughs> they don't really they like oh girls are moody and bitchy. they're complicated they find it's very funny to say that but they just don't understand and they don't want to understand and they're just very comfortable with that so like we are still in this fair where there's a lot of education to be done and what is amazing though is that women it resonates so well with them because like oh finally someone listens to us so it's like i'm just really thriving in this business because it's first solely my personal insecurities like is it cool to be a woman yes it is uh so i'm very cool just want
1: to know very very cool but no i I, but the thing is i go i love that I so i always tell a lot of my clients where if you are going for investor dollars before you walk in the room do your due diligence and understand who the person is not understand their degrees not understand what jobs and the roles but find out do they have children what like what i mean what religion are they those little things help your pitch. It helps the conversation because knowing that there are dads to girls in the room are a game changer. It's an absolute game changer because daddy's girl, everyone knows daddy's girl and daddy's girl. I mean, I remember I had surgery once and I wasn't allowed to leave the hospital unless my body parts started, started working. And I was so hungry. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give me food. They were just giving me water. And it was two I think it was day two or day three. And my dad's like, I'm getting her a salad. Cause she is my little girl and she is hungry. And, and they're like, sign the waivers. Cause if anything happens to her, they're like, I don't care. She's hungry. And it was like, my dad like was like, literally what the most, he, he didn't like to argue and it's a doctor. I'm not going to sit and argue, but he saw his little girl hungry and he's like, I'm going and getting her a salad. Yeah. And so I think that's like a really good one. Once you know the right men in the room, they, they get it, they get it. And they get it very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Definitely. so how does the product work? I mean, who's the target audience and how does, I mean, like, yes, women,
0: but how does it yeah. work for the masses? So basically it's an app on your phone. So you download it, you open it, and then every morning it synchronizes with your wearable if you have any, like your O-ring or your Apple Watch, Garmin, et cetera. And then in addition to that, uh, we uh, take manual questions. So like, how did you sleep? Do you have any pain? Where are those pain located? And uh, the combination of these two sorts of data sets gives us a readiness score for your day. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, so data sets, plus where you are in menstrual cycle, if you have a menstrual cycle, we provide you recommendations that are personalized to you, to your day, to where you are in your menstrual cycle. And that covers uh, how to exercise, what to eat and how to recover. And so that day by day, you then follow these recommendations or not. But if you do, you you check in. So we know that you, you did. If you do activities, sports activities, they're de- directly synchronized with the app. Mm-hmm. And um, and then basically, and there's also a learning curve. So we have a lot of content on like, how does your body actually works and why? Like impairment, what are you actually going to like face? Because a big issue that we have as women is like, we have no idea. So we're like... What is going to happen? When is it going to happen to me? Is there a way for me to have more visibility? Because I'm basically like feeling great one day. I'm feeling not great the other day. Like, is there a way for me to understand that? And so we really help to navigate that better. Yeah. And uh, and then and then mitigate negative symptoms and really be able to um, leverage on the positives. And so day by day, cycle by cycle, you really learn about your own body. And, and yeah, and women take a lot of benefits out of it because it does that, mitigate negative symptoms really helps you understand your body and take advantage of this actually incredible body and have the power to perform basically.
1: There is so much competition out there. I mean, the, the, I feel like the, it's more individuals are getting into sports, more individuals that are in the baby boomer years when they want to live longer, they want to be aware of their body. There's, I mean, like you just named them, the, the Apple iWatch, like, there's like, I mean, I wear a Fitbit. There's all these different things. How do you fit into this when there's so much noise in the market and you, that whole entire, is the unisex. I mean, the Fitbit, unisex. The I, Apple Watch, iWatch, unisex. There's all these products that are just like, all right, my husband has one, my kids have one. I'm just going to use the same thing. They'll teach me.
0: How do you fit into this like very crowded market? So yeah, there's a wearable market. So first of all, the old Mentec. tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a Garmin. It's called the Garmin 5S, um, Phoenix 5S. S for small, because it's smaller for my small wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, same price as the normal one, is ha- because it's smaller, it has less battery life. So mm-hmm. I'm basically underserved and it's still like quite bulky and big from my wrist um and it has less battery life so like as women you can have a smaller thing so like there's this saying called like uh shrink it and pink it and you just make it like a little bit smaller a little bit pink and she's gonna like it because like her brain is so limited that she needs pink um and so uh and that's that's the reality so like wearables they're all for men first of all uh like Absolutely all of them. Yes, they add like like Apple Watch, like in 2000, what's, like 20, I think they add a to- the toggle on off to have your periods, great. I mean, like literally like they discovered that women had periods, um, but like it's only a tiny part of the you know, menstrual cycle, it's the visible part.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, yes, predicting when you're gonna bleed is great. And like, that's why we had this huge first generation of apps like Clue, Flow, Glow, where women can have this calendar on their, on their Apple when they're gonna have uh, a period. But that's not it and uh and and most women today in the world are bleeding like they are in menopause they're having using contraceptive that stops their bleeding they're young girls um so you can serve women by like solving them by like just adding a period toggle on off so understanding women especially if you're wearable like you track things like can actually predict possibly ovulation etc if you look at it yeah but again uh, a woman is changing all the time. Like one day she's uh, using uh, uh, like a, a copper IUD, uh, then she removes it. And then she's using contracept- uh, oral contraceptive. And then she wants to have a baby. And then she's postpartum, et cetera. And that is 10 years, uh, sorry, 10 months of her year, basically. She can also be 43 years old and in perimenopause. Yeah. So it's like, it is like, it is, and, and yes, it is complex, but it's amazing. And so to serve women, you need to tackle all of that. So that's the wearable market. Then we have the the like peer tracking apps, mm-hmm. which is there was a big first generation and it's amazing. Like mo- a lot of women would be using it because it just helps them so much. But it does like, it's a bit like, okay, and now, and now so what? Like it mm-hmm. hurts me, etc. so what? So we're solving these like, so what question. Yeah. And then the third like buckets that we be like crossover as well is all the training apps. So, you know, like Nike Plus, etc. Uh, which, again, are like training recommendations for men. Like, you know, if you're tra- following a, a training plan for a marathon made on mesocycles like base, uh, specialty, uh, acceleration, et cetera, it's made for men. Like, you shouldn't be, like, like if your body is meant to be resting today because you're just before your periods, mm-hmm. um, you should be resting because then you take advantage of when your, your body is at full power when you ovulate. And if you don't follow that and you follow a man's training plan, you're just pushing at the wrong time. So, um, so you don't take advantage of this incredible female body that has ingrained in it periods of peaking and periods of recovery. And it's really, it's really powerful when you think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, so like these are like the three worlds where we, where we we are and we talk to really interesting partners in that. And then we do have a few competitors directly in our world. So there's a company called Feature Woman, another one called Genis App. Um, they're probably like, they don't have this like data integration aspect, but they're doing a nice work on like their specific segments. What do you find that is
1: has been, um, so there are so many people that are, whether they are thinking about getting into a business, are in a business. Um, so a lot of people are acquiring businesses where I want to own a business, but I don't want to start from the beginning. I just, so I'm just like, I'm just basically like finding a company that's established and acquire it. So there's different, ways of being a business owner. And so I always sit there and say like, same thing, Like there's always different ways of being a mother. I mean, you don't have to produce a baby out of your body, but you could, if you want to be a mother, you can be a mother. If you want to be a business owner, you can be a business owner. And there's always different ways to get into there. What was the high and what was the low for you in regards to starting this business? Or just, I mean, you, you talked about businesses that you've had before that didn't do well,
0: but what were the, what are the highs of owning your business? And what are the lows of having a business? I think the highs is seeing people put their trust uh, in what we did from scratch. So from people who choose to like the career to work with us and spend like so many hours working on this project, Mm -hmm. people who like choose to download the app and follow the recommendations, like who's been like, you know, people who've been like very, very first users from where it was like such a bad product and they're still stick and they still like our cheerleaders on the side, mm-hmm. people who put their money, like we have a lot of incredible angel investors, but like for instance, the, the co-founder of 23andMe, uh, like a lot of like founders who, like a founder of Mat, So it's just like really nice to, to have these entrepreneurs uh, like on my side as well as we're growing the business. And so that, and then, um yeah, people who like, like our partners, so it was just like people who believe in us and like seeing it grow from nothing to people actually like believing our brand. And, and, and yeah, like really, really credible. Like I have this incredible woman called Dr. Stacey Sims, who is like part of our team now. And she's like really the world reference in what she does. And she's incredible. And she, yeah, she puts her like credibility with us. So it's just like, it's very rewarding. I find to have these people working with us and, you know, being interviewed by you and, like, just just feels that we're doing something right. That's incredible. And I guess the lows is, I mean, I try to get everything more as learnings than, you know, bad things. But, of course, they are, like, slaps in the face all the time. And I guess when you're (laughs) an employee, like, it's a bit like, I mean, you get fired once, that's it. Uh, or, oh like you didn't perform well but like it's not great but like as a founder i just find like i get slapped in the face all the time like for instance we just got uh, like we had this incre- like we were hiring someone and we had this incredible incredible um person who was meant to join us and and it was going really well and then uh, and then she decided not to, to to stop the process and i had like you know i like i we imagined having her in the team and and it, it so it's just like Again, the slap in the face, like oh my god, she was such an incredible fit, and then it's not going to happen, which happens all the time. Like have this like investor, like so bullish, gonna invest, about to sign a paper, doesn't sign, doesn't sign, still hasn't like, and doesn't invest. It's like it's happening all all the time, basically. So, and then you have like this incredible yeah, person I work with, and then they choose to do something else. So it's just like every time, like okay, like learn, like you know, how can you be. Better like predicting or understanding, etc. But yeah, every time it's like like a bit of a... a little a little
1: gut punch. Well, well, let's just talk about the biggest slap of the face that everyone dealt with for the past two years and still yeah. and still dealing with. It. Um, in Europe, more January February 2020, coming into we are going into our third year of the pandemic. So, yeah, what was it like for you at the beginning when it just the the word the, the buzz started to how have you evolved and what did it do to your company your team over the past two years which is so crazy to say it's been two years
0: right I know it's crazy so um, at the very beginning I was in London and I just basically created barricade and I was like I was working on a dining table and I just like had screens and I loved it for three months I just loved it I thought it was great I could focus and work like crazy and the team was really incredible at the time we had to like you know downside all the costs and my job as the founder was to ensure that they would have a job because we had no idea if we would be able to raise we had we had cash at the time a bit of cash but I was about to do like a big raise in the next few months and then and then like I mean the markets were crazy so like there was no visibility for me to be understanding whether there would be money or not mm-hmm. and then and then and then we we raised money actually quite quickly and so I, w- I went to, to like basically in a storm like try to be like a captain like really trying to like protect the team and the, and the boat and, uh, and, then, and then find what we needed which is cash like my job is, is that and we did so it was great and then it's just like we we're very luckily a very sweet spot that is like digital health and so women, first of all, women are more into preventative health, generally speaking. Yeah. But I think with COVID, it was more like also in their face, which is like, you have to be like aware of like preventative health. And like today, your job is to be the healthiest possible, because that's how you basically you can prevent yourself from being from getting any kind of harmful um, virus. Yeah. And so we actually had a really good response in markets and uh and we were, yeah, we were we were still in in like close beta, so the product wasn't out in markets. But like these few first months actually were weirdly enough like very good for the team um, and for the company. And then we launched the product a year and two months ago in the markets, and uh, and it went quite well. So since then, in a year, we acquired forty thousand women with. No marketing at all. So it's all word of mouth. And now we're in this new transition period where we're gonna start scaling. But so until now it was um yeah, it's been really two crazy years, and now there's a war in Europe, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully things will settle, but but I mean, history like has proven over and over that things can go very wrong as well, and so like also thinking of like how can I protect. All my team and uh, and the company as well now.
1: We're definitely going to touch upon um, what's happening in Europe in regards to the war, but I want to stay on you for a bit more. What were the things, I mean, how, as a founder of a company um, during a pandemic and it's healthcare that you're in, you're, in you're involved in healthcare, how were you able to keep your team, like you kept them employed, but how are you able to keep them focused, on themselves and their well-being and also keep it focused on your well-being as well because there's a business owner but there's a team and just a fear of every day you didn't know what you were getting so how were you able to manage everyone's emotions as well as your own
0: yeah so i think uh, a bit like in the airplane like you have to put the mask for on yourself first um, and and I I love how you said it because I use that terminology all the time I love it Uh, so um, so I think that was a learning first like I definitely had a lot of like sleepless nights and like pain in my stomach that was related to stress and so I think that um, I tried to like take a step back and really try to understand that um i love my business etc but but without health like there isn't like much that's gonna come out of it yeah. so i tried to really focus on that i, I wanted to probably about a lot of people went into like a lot of meditation and things like that and and i think that was that was really helpful at that time and then uh, and with my team i try to like i try to to do what i could do as a ceo which is guaranteeing their salary mm-hmm. um, so I told them like once I had worked out uh, the economics I was like okay we, we have 18 months yeah. so whatever happens I mean, I mean unless you like start performing like really, really badly but like you, you are basically assured that my job is done like you, you have a salary yeah. so we are safe on that and I think that was important because it meant that because a lot of people at the beginning, a lot of people were losing their jobs. It was crazy as well. Um, and so I want to make sure that they had that set so they could take care of themselves as well. Uh, a lot of a lot of the people in the team are foreigners. So they had family places that they couldn't see their family for like a year or more. And so just just doing like the one thing I could do, which is guaranteeing them that they have a job. I thought, thought that was important. And then just being more human as well. So we, I guess we, it also yeah, made us more human in a way in the sense that uh, we probably talked about certain things that we probably wouldn't have spoken about if the pandemic didn't arrive and got more intimate in that. But yeah. I, I think
1: that's one of the things that... Um... I mean, I say this all the time. I'm like, take care of the humans, and humans will take care of you. And um so many people in the business world are just like go, 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 go. They see this product, they see this service. And I'm like, you do realize you're doing this, you're working so hard for this product and the service for a human. So at the end of the day, you need the humans. End the story. It doesn't matter what, what app or app like I don't care what it is, the humans will dictate if you succeed or not. And I love, I loved watching and seeing so many companies taking care of their people. Um, it, Mm -hmm. it, it was like this whole entire renewal, like I know what I do and this is what I advocate for all the time. And when I'm working with CEOs and founders, when I'm working with your team, I go, I'm marketing, but everything we do is all about taking care of the people behind all the stages of what you do. So I just, I love that hearing what you, you you're saying there, um, in the States, because of the pandemic, we have a great exit, meaning there are so many people leaving their jobs, six figure jobs. They're just assuming small jobs, but. People are leaving, leaving six-figure, seven seven-figure big jobs. They have these great degrees. They got the, jo- the dream job. And the pandemic basically put them in a situation where, like, it's not what I want. I want more. I want, I want so much more. And they're looking to start something on their own. So what advice would you give to someone that is looking to start their business? They, they, they have a skill set. They've done it great all their lives. But then they're like, it's, this is the time where I'm going to go off on my own. What advice would you give them?
0: to do it so I think like uh, a big mistake that we all do is like you know there's this beautiful saying which is like what if I fall uh, and then says so like oh but what if you fly and um and yeah you're gonna fall it's gonna hurt like it's, it's really shitty uh but <laughs> it's a, like you have no like there is no way in the whole world that you're gonna do anything if you're not taking that step and I love um like I started uh Uh, like skateboarding and surfing actually like quite recently and um and you know i'm in the skate park and i'm an adult and like all the kids are looking at me really weirdly but like kids they just fall and fall and fall in skate park and they they have these like i mean it looks like they did like they basically like can't move and then they're like stand again and start again it's so inspiring because like oh my god i mean like I'm, i'm i'm obviously like way more risk adverse now but i'm falling still and uh, and I think in business, is such a good, like, learning. Like, you have to have a very, like, kind of childish approach to it, which is, like, first of all, it's fun. Like, try it out. Worst case scenario, and I've had many businesses which I, like, I was so like the, the ideas were so bad and the execution was so bad, but I learned so much. And so, and it doesn't really matter. Like if you if you don't try, it matters because then of course you're not going to be anywhere. But I also love like you know, looking one year back, when you're back, like one year and two, three months back, we didn't have the app in the market. And now, you know, like I'm trying to like compare our company to other people, and and some go way faster, some have closed their company, like they're dead. And so it's not really great to compare myself. But then also like, well, we've done a big journey, like we've, we've gone a long way. And so I think like for anyone who wants to start, it's just literally start. It doesn't really matter what you do, even if it's like the single like minimum thing, which is like instead of consuming, uh, create. So even if it's just like if you have no idea, like just take a topic that interests you, whatever it is, and you read articles and you comment on it. And then when you have 10 comments of articles, you create a blog on that. It really doesn't matter what it is. but see, I think it's a good starting point on like, you know, if it's in tech, it's like in crypto, if you have no idea what is crypto, but everyone's making money in crypto, read articles, comment on it. And there's there're going to be people who are interested in what you say, because they all like you. Like, they have no idea what it is. And so um, I think there, there are, first of all, there are so many things that you can do. But yet yeah, to, to get started, just get started, really. I think that's the the, the fear
1: of failing is something that people just, I mean, people just don't like failing, but I love that because I love that you just said skateboarding because it is literally one of the things where I go to skateboarding parks and I mean, so I'm a photographer because that's how I learned how to speak English was I had a camera and I could tell stories and I can go to a skateboarding park. And I was in um, California in October for a wedding and my cousin and I were sitting there and we're eating a, like a fruit bowl at the skate park in Santa Monica and holy, I mean, in Venice, in Venice Beach. An older, younger girl, boy. I mean, you saw everyone at this park, and I'm like, bravo! I mean, bravo! I mean, yeah, the older guys definitely had their pads on, and I don't care. I go, I'll wear my pads, but I want to learn how to skateboard because whenever I see it, it's just like I feel like it's just like you're in your own zone, just like Mm. wheeling away in and out. And I thought it was just just the coolest thing. So I love that you took it. You just took it up the surfing part. I definitely. I mean, I I did it when I lived in Australia. I drank too much water, salt water. It's not desirable. I mean. I mean, I again. I love taking pictures. I find it fascinating. Maybe I'll take it up again. But boy, that skate skateboarding is less intimidating in my mind than surfing. Surfing is just well. Then you should be good in surfing because surfing at least you fall in the water. It's a bit less. But water is hard. Water is like I mean, if you fall the wrong way,
0: water is just as hard as cement. Well, you also like have like, you really get turned and like washing machine and like it does hurt, but um, I made a mistake. Like I, I was on top of a, of a bull in a skate park and I saw a friend oh. of mine, who I thought we were the same level, but actually I didn't realize he was ex- like practicing for months and he just dropped in the bull. So I was like, oh, I can do it too. <laughs> it was like a meter and a half or two meters of, of drop and I <laughs> dropped. And at the point I was actually already engaged, I realized it was totally out of my level. So I jumped over and, like, I exploded myself. And then, uh, and then like, all my friends were just at the time looking at me and they were like, what did you just do? Like, you literally have, I mean, you're not that level at all. And uh I was like, oh, yeah. And it was so funny because, like, I can, like, it just, like, in my brain, I don't know, it was, like, it was was more like a, like a child. And I think, like, in surfing, what I find really cool, I'm a good swimmer originally, so, like, water is kind of my friend but still you get, like, washed when you get washed like it's hardcore so yeah. i understand what you say but I, I think like what i love in surfing and i think like that's why it's my like really my my sport now that i'm putting all my energy in to get better at is like just such a different sport is like has all these elements that are very different like the elements are changing you have this element of stress but also this surprise like am i gonna make it so you paddle 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 and then no, you don't make it, but then you have this dream and this idea of this perfect wave that's gonna arrive, and then and then you paddle by and then eventually you get it, and then poof, you get smashed. And then so it's just like it's so funny because like you have these hormones, and you're like, Okay, last one, one last wave, and like the sun is going down, and okay, the last one, and then you're still there. You it's just like in, in, in the world
1: in the world of skiing, they always say the last run. You never do the last run because the last run is like you're a little arrogant, a little bit cocky. I go, but you're tired. Your legs like are tired, but you're in your mind. You're like, I can do it. And then that's when the problems happen. The last run, Exactly. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, like learning, learning from like sports to business. I mean, is, is great. I, and I feel like I go business owners. We take risks all the time in the business. So that's why I run marathons. So we run marathons. We do triathletes. Like We, we do high energy things because mentally we do it every day, owning our businesses. So it brings it to the next level where people think we're crazy. I mean, people think that we're crazy, but this is what we do. So thus, what does your family think of you now? Like they've watched all the things that you've done and now you own this business and you're fighting for money and you're like in that boardroom with a lot of men saying, like, I want you to open up your, your paycheck, your, your your wallets and your, your um, tech books. What does your family think of you now?
0: um I think like so first of all like in sports they often felt it was like a bit too much like I did like ultra marathons 100k races and yeah. so they were like are you sure but but having said that they were always supportive yeah. sometimes I did tell them after I did the events um but they were still like very supportive yeah. and and uh and now with my business um they're really supportive I think like it's I mean I, I have like a really nice relationship with my family. So it just feels really nice to be in a cocoon when I'm with them. And um and, and to be able to say like all the things that are like not good in the business and like like nice, etc. But yeah, I think they're just like really supportive and enjoy seeing me, enjoy my business, and um and just and I guess they're just like really there as a loving family, which I think is really important for me. Are they shocked at all? Shocked. Um, no, I've always been like the adventurer, or so they're like, it's just her doing her thing. It's okay. It's her <laughs> doing her thing. Um, <laughs> turning it to
1: a, a more serious moment, um, we went from starting your business. What year did you start the
0: business? Uh, 17. All right. 2017. So 2017, yeah. going
1: to the business, you're two years into this business. We go into a pandemic. Um, you see economics around the world being affected by it. Um, you're one minute. We're open one minute. We're closed. We are feeling like we're at the tail end of this pandemic. And then now we are in war and it is affecting your family. Like, I mean, where your family is from. Um, how is that? How are you handling this now? It's like, it's a emo- it's emotional peaks and valleys of everything, but how is it for you? But also you're in Europe You're seeing it is close to home. I mean, we're in America. It's it, it may, it's definitely a, an argument that's happening here in the States a lot, but, um, how are you handling where, uh, you're, you have bullish blood in you? Um, you have, you're right next door. I mean, it's it's right in your backyard. You still have a, a business to run. We're in a pandemic. So much is going on. How are you processing all of this?
0: think like first of all they're like for the business is like running the business and again like making my job as a ceo which is making sure we have cash and that the business is going well uh, because people who are dependent on business if unfortunately it gets worse they also depend on that income um, and we're in that we're in a time and age where we can do things remotely so now there are some ukrainians who are still working remotely uh, which is like really terrible conditions but um so that's the business uh side and then on more like an emotional side like uh in poland we have a lot of immigrants and refugees and um like in my like in my i mean my, my parents house in in poland we have three generations in the house um so it's great to see that countries in europe are opening their borders and their houses to people who in their country are like really threatened mm-hmm. um and and scary because we don't know really. I mean, like I think what is really scary is that Putin is an old man, and like I don't really know what he, you know, what does, what does he has to lose? Like right now, it's like great to take back their like what they have as like in their mind as as their place, and so it's it's scary to think that he might just put all his people to war, etc. To first take Ukraine, but where is the limit? Like, is it only Ukraine? Is it Going back to X, uh, ussr and uh, and it's difficult it's, like it's a very different position and and also i mean to be more, more moderate on like both sides like i mean europe and the us have definitely did mistakes you know in the middle east like in afghanistan etc so if you're seeing like what he says to his population i can imagine. That's similar to when Trump was elected or when Brexit happened. Like people were so shocked and were like, "No one!" Like people now in the in Western countries are like, "Oh, but Putin." No one wants Putin there. I'm pretty sure that's not true in Russia, um, because like if you go five hours straight from from Moscow, like they all they read is is Russian uh, TV and and Russian media. So so I think we need to be really aware that it's like we haven't done like we as a europe us we haven't done great things um and we shouldn't think that we've done great things putin is doing something horrible right now for sure but we also need to realize that he actually has an audience and that's why it's it's quite scary so yeah so like just as a business owner doing my job helping my people uh, and uh, making sure they're safe uh, as long as possible
1: yeah. I, I always say to people that, I mean, so I went to uh university of St. Petersburg. Um, I have the most amazing, amazing, amazing Russian friends. I lived in Russia. I loved it. I loved it. I and mean, the people, I, only love me, Russia. You know, I mean, like literally like people greeted me with open arms and I mean, and there's, there's not that many Brown people in Russia. So, I mean, it was like my, I remember my professor was like worried and he's like, he goes, are you sure you want to go to Russia? I go, I'll be, don't you worry about it. I'll be fine. I smile a lot. I'm good. And, um, I had the most amazing experience. I have, I go, I have Ukrainian friends from my, in my MBA program, as well as my neighbors, most amazing, welcoming people that you could ever encounter. Just not what you're seeing on TV, literally most amazing Ameri- uh, most amazing Ukrainians with the biggest hearts. And I have friends and relatives that are in the military that are going to Poland right now and say, making yeah. sure that NATO is, NATO is protected. So for me, I always say, I go, I am not, my, the barrier of me being friends with you, the barrier of me learning about you is not because of the politics. Politics will get us all in trouble all the time. I have to go into the situation and I have to learn. And I have friends coming in all directions. And I'm like, I have to protect my friends. I will call them, I will check on them if they can get access to emails or I will always check on. So for me, that's that's my biggest frustration that politics always gets us in trouble. And being from Haiti where it's, it's unsafe for me to go to my homeland country because Haiti is a shit show on a good day. And so I always say to people, I'm like, go. you know what? Just take the opportunity, get to know a person on the human level, call them, talk to them, speak to them, but not just because something's on TV and you're like, oh my God, I hear you're Ukrainian. I want to be friends with you. I'm like, no, you can't be friends with me now. You have to be friends with me before (laughs) or or things like that.
0: Yeah. And and on your point, I mean, like I have really good Russian friends. I love Russia. Like I'm obsessed with Russian history. I think it's like the country. It's amazing. Their history is amazing. And so, but it's not, it's not Russia, it's not Russians, like it's, as you said, it's politics and, um, and it's, uh, and, and we're, we're puppets, all of us, like of Western politics, because we think we're like saviors and we're the best, and they're uh, of like their politics, like are we all of it, like we just like, again, we're so biased on like the one messaging that we hear um so yeah hopefully we find a solution and you and you said you started it at the beginning with the bias and then we are biased towards
1: our own gender and so Mm -hmm. what you hear what you see is what you have until you take the time to walk away from what you've only seen and what you know to learn to grow to be better to improve and hopefully that is like across the board not just in our in us as our genders or sex roles etc but also just getting people to understand we will move faster and better and stronger if we take the time to learn
0: about other things 100 and and like also like the thing that is really scary is that it's not very difficult to create animosity against someone and if you're against something it's actually there's this incredible movie a german movie called the wave yeah and very quickly it's um it's basically is a, is a teacher post-war he's in school and uh he says you know it's, it's quite it's exactly what i said like it's quite easy to create people who would like fight against each other and the kids are like impossible in Germany, like we've seen it like right now. So no. And it was like, okay, we'll do an experiment. And it's like, okay, we'll create like a group. And so find a way like that you recognize yourselves. And so they all uh say, okay, we're gonna put a white shirt. And so there's one girl and she's like, doesn't suit me. I don't like white on me. Yeah. So she doesn't put it. And so her boyfriend's like, oh, you're boring kind of excludes her and Mm -hmm. then goes on and on and they're like okay you need a a logo so and you need a name so they say okay the wave and then you need a logo so they create a logo and then they tag the logo in the streets so they start doing vandalism and then and then it goes on and on anyways at the end like gets dramatic but basically the the teacher what says at the end is like look very quickly you like ejected some people from your group this girl who didn't want to go right you started to do like vandalism in the in the streets. You like were like doing graffiti on the walls. Like you yeah. would never do that if you didn't have like the strength of a group. And so I just wanted to show you that like a strength of a group is really interesting. And so and you see that in football like hooligans they kill each other for what? Not for what for something they are against yeah. another team. And and politics is the same. And like we see like I mean like American politics. It was like. You're not ruling a country to like have all the people, like 300 million people, like you know, living good, etc. No, you hooligans. you like against from the other ones. So the word the, the other ones are. Well, you enemies. saw. I
1: mean, clearly, the world saw what happened when Trump was president. It literally was. I mean, I have friends that I've had my entire life, and the things that they were saying that was on social media was vile. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, holy crap! You're putting that on social media. What is happening? To this brilliant person
0: that I've known my entire life. Like what? And it's because it's against and the power against is so strong. And that's why religions that are against someone are really strong. Religions that are like just, you know, like a pa- kind of, pa- that's why like Catholicism was really strong where they were against the enemy and they were like conquering, et cetera. And now it's like kind of not really strong because they don't really hate anyone. Yeah. Most of a lot of them. Um, and so, yeah, so that, so like creating this like hatred against the foreigner, et cetera, is easy, especially if you've just been through two years of, covid where people lost their jobs etc yeah um
1: yeah so i was uh, so i agree with you on that one and i feel that that's just a a perfect wrap around of your app helps us control those emotions helps us know where those emotions are peaking the peaks and valleys so that way we can have a better understanding of them at least i hope yes so um one thank you very much for that i mean like this has been so good because we've talked about so many different things and I go, this is not going to be the last time I talk to you. I always tell people, I go, I will always engage when something comes up. So I will always just like email or call say, like, oh my God, Elena, I need you. I need you. It's something that we need to talk about because you know this industry so well. Um, but I have one last question. But before the last, last question, where do you believe your industry will go in the next couple of years? Where, like, you, you are involved in AI, more people care about their health, more, especially in the state, the insurance is so high that people are trying to control and mitigate their own health before they have to go and pay these like crazy costs for help. Where do you believe that your, your industry will go in the next
0: couple of years? So like, there's a, this offer a doctor called Eric Topple, and he, he has a book called the patient will see you. And I really believe that's so, like, we have all these wearables, we have this knowledge mm-hmm. and, and, and especially as people who've been discriminated women, black women um, we've haven't been listened by doctors. Like we've been like, you know, giving birth to a baby, like lying down, like, yeah and uh and then and then, if you're a person of color, like you really discriminated like they don't listen to women and they're like uh, mortality is are way higher. So like I think we we're not happy with that. we like and we start to really know that we've been underserved, under basically discriminated. um mm-hmm. and so I think like the patient we see you is like basically the power that comes not from like these white men in a white blouse or like just like the institution, but it also comes from us is like I believe I have this I basically I also tracked it so I think like these are the three triggers I still want the validation from a doctor but also like so like really this personalized approach to medicine and preventative approach which women do a lot like that's why women have always looked at like herbal teas and like alternative medicines because like we feel a lot of things in our bodies so I think like like this whole industry of health is going to be like way more preventative. Like instead, if you have a stomachache and you take a pill, it's like the worst idea in the world. Like if you have a stomachache, find why your body is not reacting well to that food or to the stress or whatever. And so I think like ingrained in us as women is a bit more natural. And I think the whole industry goes to that. And in the US, you actually have to do it because like medicine is so expensive. And so I really believe that we have an amazing power as women. We are actually leading uh like spendings in health and in the households Mm -hmm. and and for kids as well of course and and men because of these like whole male toxicity is like like you're strong so you're not going to see a doctor if you have something so they they wait really late to see someone whereas Mm -hmm. women like we want to understand extra so like i think like that's where the industry is going to go like really way more personalized approach to medicine way more like yeah if you are from a certain ethnicity you have very specifics so how can we address that better Mm -hmm. There's an amazing Instagram uh, doctor who's doing drawings on uh, of black women uh, medically. I don't know if you've seen that. No, so I want to no, I, who, wait, who is it? Oh, uh, I, I don't remember the name, but it's amazing. It's like basically it's a black woman having pregnant of a black baby. It's the first time ever that <laughs> oh wait, I have to, but so so my, yeah. my cousin actually like told me like it, told me about that, and I saw
1: it on 16 minutes. So yes, I did see it. I still don't know who the artist is, but it's amazing yeah. because. Most people aren't used to seeing those pictures in a medical journal or things like that. Exactly.
0: And there was like, like skin issues, but you, you it's completely different, obviously. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I think like, that's where we're going. is like every person, hopefully will get access to like an approach to health that is personalized to them, to their mm-hmm. daily life. If you are like, yeah, like if you, if you have certain, like, if, if your issue is like eating well, then you have, an, an access to that but if you're like um if, you, if you're you looking more at mental health you can also have access to that because you have different origins etc i mm-hmm. like so, so your mental needs are different like if you, if you if you've just been through war in ukraine like you probably have like a very different state of needs um yeah. than than the person right now in the uk it's i mean i health in
1: mean, health and technology I mean, we, we can't live without it we definitely can't live without it And I think that what you're doing and where you are right now, um, one, I'm happy that you left FinTech because health tech needs you a lot more. So I'm very, very excited about that. But I think that um, you are a gift to this world because of what you're doing, because it's just so needed. So I'm happy that you've had this evolution and you continue to evolve to be where you are. So yay, Adina, yay. All right. So the last question I ask everyone, no matter how many times that you are on this program, I ask the same question. Is if you had a personal ask and a professional ask of anyone that's listening to me right now, what is your personal ask and what is your professional ask? Two answers, please. Um.
0: So, a professional ask uh, is we are looking for free positions, uh, and working the team is very fun if you like the sectors like female health and sports. we we'll just speak like two Olympians, the best companies in the world, etc. We're looking for three positions, uh, one full stack backend engineer, one uh, UX and one marketer. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for three positions. This is my ask in business. And we're doing a small angel round. So no funds, but angels. Mm -hmm. And then my personal ask, um, I I know you you told me, it's like, uh, we, we never get to say that. But I guess my personal ask would be, um i mean my also like my life is so intricate in my business um but yeah i think to have
1: wait wait
0: wait you have just, i was going to say start experiences. over here so share managed um growing into it so i would love to have women oh i'm i'm, I'm freezing again yeah no, uh, I, I would yeah. Love to have, yeah i would love to have women tell me like how they uh, grew into the positions as leaders because i still find it i read a lot about it like i'm obsessed by the topic but i still find it like not advice but experiences i find it would be really really helpful because i still unfortunately like find it hard to have like role models. And I speak to a lot of like younger founders who are like mm-hmm. younger, younger company founders. Um, but I, I would like love to hear more experiences on that because just like I find really inspiring always and how they manage being a woman at the same time because from a whole topic of the conversation like I want to have a family. So how how does that work actually like practically and, and people like, you know, investors, they're still like so sexy. They're like, oh, do you plan to have kids? I'm like, well, want me to call you next time I have sex, like I can do that. But um you know, like, like I, I'm a woman, so I'm 45 years old. So like gonna um, get pregnant. So. I
1: do love that you just said that. because no, because that's it's it's true and it's true and yet very funny that you just said that. So wait, did you say that out loud? I hope you did. Did you say that to someone yeah. good? I love you. That's why you're a badass. I love it. Um Elena, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is like I mean, this is this has been amazing. So thank you very much for your time. I mean, I definitely took a little bit more of your time, but you have been phenomenal. Your story is so, 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 so good. And I go, and I want more and more women to use your app. So, I um, mean, it well, can I use it with a Fitbit or do I have to have something else? Just- no, yeah, you
0: can use it with Fitbit. Fitbit, Apple Watch, or Ring, Training Peaks, Trava, Garmin. Yeah.
1: Downloading it today.
0: Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Jodi. So nice.
1: <laughs> you are awesome. I want more people to know about you. So. There, there you go. Um, and so enjoy Portugal. Enjoy your time in yeah. Portugal. Yeah. Well, so nice meeting you finally and really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> this was, this was like, I mean, it's my morning, it's my morning, it's your afternoon. But I mean, this has been fun. Fun and yeah, funny. Definitely. I love I love fun and funny situations, conversations. Exactly. Me
0: too. No, really, really cool. <laughs> uh, have an amazing day and uh yeah, can't wait and, to connect again. And have a wonderful weekend. You too. All, All right. right. Bye.